Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We are going over our series, Blessed. We are in part three of this series, and today we're talking about not what I expected. I hope that you're excited for Christmas. I'm really excited. Um, we are. We already decided that we are going to open our adult presents for the big kids, right, on Christmas Eve in the evening after we put the girls to sleep, and then the next day, we're going to let the girls have their fun and all the kids can open their presents. It's going to be a blast. If you don't have any plans for the holidays, you don't know what to do, your family's away, you're all alone, don't be all sad, depressed, message us, you can come hang out with us. Um, but going into our message, what, not what I was expecting, not what I expected. We're going to be looking at the life of Mary and we're going to be talking today about how so many times as we're trying to walk out our purpose, how we're trying to walk out our calling, that we go through these things that we just were not expecting at all. We're going to start off in this idea where we get to that moment where we're trying our best and we have this thought of maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong about my calling. Maybe I was wrong about God. Maybe I was wrong about my marriage my kids, my career, trying to start this new business, going back to school. Maybe I was wrong. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. This child is Jesus. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So this is a really popular story about how it's like the the nativity scene. Have you noticed that the nativity scenes look really pretty, so elegant? I mean, we people set it all up, decorate it, and it's uh, it just looks like this beautiful scene. I mean, there's some horses, like some sheep. It's it's so beautiful. Well, what really happens in this story is that out of all the times for there to be a census, it happened to be during this time where Mary is expecting to give birth to the Messiah. The Virgin Mary is about to give birth. And out of all the times for it to happen, the census, it's when she's supposed to give birth in her ninth month. I mean, what are the odds, right? It's like everything's working against her. Not, not to mention, once they're actually uh, nearly there and they're trying to find a place to stay for the night, there is no hotel that they can find. There, it says that there's no place, there was no room for them in the inn, and they ended up just shacking up in this like barn area, and that's when Mary goes into labor. I mean, talk about the worst time, no one else around to help, and it's just Joseph and Mary, and 
And she ends up giving birth and laying Jesus, the Son of God, in a manger. Now, I know that in all the nativity scenes, it looks really cute. But a manger is very equivalent to like a feeding trough. It's disgusting. It's not, it, it's not something that you're like, oh my gosh, I want to lay my baby in a manger. You, you wouldn't even want to eat your food off of it, let alone drink from it. If you've ever seen a dog drinking from a water bowl, all of that saliva just going back into it. This is what it's like for, uh, this is similar to how just gross a manger actually is. And so this, this idea that this was just like, oh, what perfect timing, how pretty it all worked out. Like, it's actually a horrible scene. <laughs> and animals, as you know, cute as they look as an, in a nativity scene, animals can be very smelly and disgusting. Imagine you're going through labor. Anyone that's ever been through labor, anyone that tries to, to pre prepare you for labor, tells you to even, that even certain smells can make the labor that much more excruciating. That, that if you have any, if there's anyone with perfume or anything, that they should leave the room because it will distract a woman going, that's, that's trying to push a baby out. That's going through contractions. And so you are in a, Mary is having to do all of this with manure, with these stinky animals. This is not a pleasant scene at all. And this is a moment where anyone would start to doubt and thinking, Maybe I was wrong about this. Maybe this. Maybe that vision I thought I had was just like, was was wrong. Maybe, maybe something happened to me. Maybe this is all just made up. And it's in those moments where nothing is working out to plan that we start to doubt the beginning. Don't drop your calling when things don't work out as planned. Do not drop your calling, your purpose, your marriage, the, the path that you're on when things don't work out as planned. We often begin to assume that we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing when things are not working out as planned. Even when we planned it all out, that, or even worked harder than ever before, especially anyone that's tried to like start their own business. I mean, most people, they plan it out, they work harder than they've ever had before, and it still seems like the world is simply against you. And I'm going to say this, that I'm not, I'm not one to give the devil any credit, okay? I think that people give the devil credit way too much. People get a flat tire and like the devil. It's like, no, that tire was about, <laughs> it needed to be changed like two months ago. That's not the devil. It, it is really way too much that we, we give the devil credit for, but he is working against your calling. He is working against your calling. Even though you may think of yourself as insignificant or not that special, not that important. Your calling matters. Your purpose matters. Even just your marriage matters. And the devil is working against it. You need to use discernment to understand that the opposition you might be facing is actually because you are doing exactly what you should be doing. I want to say this. Do not doubt the small beginnings. For Mary's situation, it looked like she was all wrong. I mean, if, if God was really planning this whole thing out for her, if this was really God that, that caused this to be part of her purpose, this miracle birth, why is it that nothing worked out? There was not even a room for them. I mean, think about it. If this happened in the, the most pivotal scenario in history, the birth of the Messiah, the Son of God, the birth of Jesus, 
how much more can we expect difficult complications in our walk, in our purpose, in our dealings? And I want to encourage you to say, and say, do not doubt your small beginnings. This is an incredibly small beginning for Mary. This is a hard beginning. And if she were to think maybe I was wrong, it would have threw off her entire course of raising Jesus the right way. If you, if you start thinking maybe I was wrong at the beginning, let me say this. The devil always tries to convince us that the beginnings were not true, that the beginnings were different than what we thought. Look all the way back to Genesis. When the devil first spoke to Eve, he said, did God really say that? He, he challenged and tried to manipulate and second guess what had originally been told to Eve. It was trying to, to second guess the beginning. And so when you're going through difficulty, just know that the moments that you start to doubt the beginning, that that is usually a, an opportunity that the devil is working against you. And you might actually be in the place you need to be. Do not doubt your small beginnings. And I just feel like I need to say this. I feel this big emphasis in this message about uh, for marriages and relationships. So many marriages fall apart when things are not working out according to plan. And things get difficult. And people start to doubt how they got married. They, they start to look back and realize... Man, you know what? It wasn't the, the fairy tale wedding. It wasn't the fairy tale relationship. We got married because we had a kid. Or we got married because we felt like uh, I felt too lonely. And we, we make up all these reasons of, and try to dig up a different reason of why we got married. That makes the beginning seem small. That is, that is a lie from hell. Do not doubt your small beginnings. Just because it's difficult, because just because it doesn't seem like it's working out according to plan means nothing. You are still doing your best, and that's what matters. Now, let's go into this next point, but it hurts. In Luke chapter 2, verse 33 through 35, it says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. This is while uh, he, he's being presented and the, this prophet starts saying all these incredible things of prophesying about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. That last part, what it's talking about, a sword that will pierce your very soul. What it's saying is that it's referencing to when Jesus was on the cross. All of Mary's purpose, when it's actually fulfilled, is seeing her son, whom she cared for for 33 years, who she loves, dying on a cross for the world's sin. That fulfilled uh, purpose is painful. It, it makes me think that your calling is usually difficult and even painful before it is ever fulfilling. Your calling is usually difficult and even painful before it is fulfilling. Sometimes pursuing our calling feels painful sorrowful, and sorrowful at times. And the process can leave us isolated and confused because it seems unexpected. We, we have this idea of pursuing this desire in our heart 
And yet when we start experiencing pain, it makes us feel confused. It, what, no matter what it is, it, this path that we're on, when we're on the right path, there are times where that pain that we're experiencing is part of the process. And it, it really makes me think about giving, uh, uh, when, it, when it makes me think about having children. For me and my wife, we prayed for three years to have a child. And it was just like so ingrained in our hearts, something that we desired, something we, we really uh, believed and wanted. And it took three years with two miscarriages in between. And now we have two babies and another one on the way that we weren't even trying to have. <laughs> but it, what's, what's special about these children is that they are part of our purpose. And it is, it is prayers fulfilled. But within those prayers and within this purpose, there are painful moments. And I'm not even just talking about the delivery process. I'm talking about just the responsibility and the weight of parenthood is so much heavier than we anticipated. I mean, it's like truly, you never really know how hard parenting is until you start, <laughs> until you have your own kids. And now that we are fulfilled and having our children, it is so much more painful than we realize. Of course, there's so much beauty and we love our children and it, there's these beautiful moments, but the painful moments were these moments that we didn't expect. And if you, if you let it catch you off guard, you can start to think to yourself, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I wasn't really fit or ready to be a parent. Maybe this was, uh, you start feeling confused of if you're even a good enough parent for your kids because you're getting frustrated or you feel like you don't know what to do at times. And it's just, it's actually that pain is a part of the process. That pain is actually part of the, your fulfillment. And when you really think about it, when you're pursuing greatness, whether, again, we're talking about kids, but even in marriage, I mean, when you get, if you've ever been married, anyone that's married, most people say, this is way harder than I expected. But it, that responsibility and weight that you carry, is, it can be painful at times, but it is still part of your fulfillment. And it shouldn't really leave us feeling that confused if you think about it. It shouldn't be surprising to think that pursuing greatness comes at a cost. That pursuing something good actually costs us something. And that cost is something that we can feel. It's something that weighs on us. It's something that can even feel painful. And we, we usually imagine the final result, or we, even we imagine our future or our purpose, our fulfillment, to just be extreme comfortability. When it, it, we, can, we even imagine our, our purpose to be so comfortable in the idea of fame and fortune. We, when we think about kids, we think that they're just going to be these pleasant little angels that, oh, my kids will be different. And, and they're gonna, we just imagine these sweet moments and this, this uh, special love that, that is like no other. And we don't ever think about the weight of everything else. Because even though we imagine it to be just this extreme comfortability like fame and fortune, most of the time it is actually great humility and sacrifice. When you look at Mary and her purpose 
in raising the Son of God, that's a big responsibility. I mean, just my kids. I mean, no one else is checking up to see if my kids are are doing okay. It's just up to me. But to to have in the back of my head that this Archangel Gabriel came to check up on me, not that it says he did that in Scripture, but I mean, to know that you're being watched by God to to care for the the son of god the the messiah i mean that's a that's a huge pressure and responsibility and parenting is such a good way to reference humility and sacrifice because that's exactly what great parenting is less of me and more of my kids sacrifice less of my sleep and more of catering to my baby sleeping even when it comes to food, when it comes to money, everything is about humility and sacrifice just in raising children. But the same applies for a marriage. There's so many marriages that that are operating with, with whether it's one person or both people acting out of pride and selfishness. Well, you can't talk to me like that. And just these fights that are bred out of me, 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 I, I, I. And what I want, what I want to do, and never about the simple idea of humility and sacrifice. When you look at great marriages, it is usually on the backbone of somebody being humble and sacrificing for the spouse. And it's usually both of them doing it for each other. See, the thing with marriage, it's not a contract where I give you 50-50. It's a trust to where I give you 100% of myself, trusting that you'll give 100% of yourself to me. It's It's... It's something special. And when you look at your career path, when you're looking at trying to start your own business, when you're looking at uh, anything great that you're trying to do, it is not comfortable. The, the end result might sound comfortable, but when you look at people who have this dream and start their own business, they work harder than they ever have in their entire life. It is humility and sacrifice. And you have to understand that you're calling requires that kind of humility and sacrifice and it is more difficult and even painful before it is fulfilling in psalm 126 verse 5 it says those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy that is such a special verse especially if you've already done some sowing in tears in the moments where it hurts in the moments where we feel the pain even great sorrow that it is just hard. It's difficult on this path that we're in. Even if you just look at the idea of, of being a committed Christian, it is so much harder than we thought. Not because of the list of do's and don'ts, but the moments where it takes sacrifice and humility, where we put others before ourselves, and, and the moments where we turn our, the other cheek. And the moments where we stand for our faith, even when it's uncomfortable, it takes moments of humility and sacrifice. But in those moments of sorrow and those moments of sowing those tears, we will have a moment of fulfillment where we have tears of joy, shouts of joy. Let's finish this up with this last point, which is not like everyone else, not like everyone else. And Luke chapter two, verse 41 through 49 it says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival, the festival as usual. 
After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up at that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his teaching and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. No such, <laughs> she blamed her kid when it was her responsibility. Parents do that all the time. Searching for you everywhere, but why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? This, the, this story is so important because it shows us that you can sabotage your calling if you try to be like everyone else. Take note that it says that this Passover, this celebration that they would do, was every year. They would do this celebration every year. And it took 12 years for them to finally just try to loosen up and... To the point where they lost Jesus among, among all the celebrating and festivities. And what I see here is, was a moment like a lot of parents feel to where just for a moment, I want to pretend that I don't have this huge responsibility that I'm carrying. And they just like to, well, Jesus is 12 now. He can practically take care of himself. And they lightened up on their responsibility. They lightened up on their purpose, on their calling, and they try to just be like everyone else. See that initially, that idea is like, well, can't I just be like everyone else? Does that sound? Is that wrong? Is that so bad? Well, no, not really. But it costs you something because then you're gonna your your results is gonna just be like everyone else, and that is usually an unfulfilled life. But if you want to walk in your calling and if you want to be fulfilled in your purpose, then you can't live like everyone else. You will sabotage yourself. What I see here is it is so much more relaxing and comfortable to just be caught up in the celebrations. Even as we look at Christmas, isn't it so uh, isn't it such a, a, a similarity that we get so caught up in the festivities and the celebrations and the gifts? that we forget about the real reason that we're supposed to be celebrating, that we forget all about Jesus to where we lose him in our celebrations. And the most damaging thing that you can do to your calling, to your walk with God even, is to compare your lifestyle to others. The moment that we compare our lifestyle to others, it does either two things. It either makes us feel insecure or it causes us to make excuses. Insecure in the sense where we only see people's stories and we think, oh my gosh, they make their kids organic applesauce? I, I suck as a parent. Or we see uh, somebody posting their workout videos and you're thinking, I was supposed to work out today, but I was too tired and took a nap instead. Or I was, too t uh, I was supposed to be on my diet today, but those people gifted me all that chocolate and I, felt, I, I just ate it all. <laughs> And we compare ourselves to others and we start ha having this giant insecurity just loom within us. The other side, though, that is less talked about is that when we compare ourselves to others and we make excuses for ourselves to give in. 
We make excuses for us to not really walk out our calling, to not really walk out even our Christianity, to not even walk out our marriage. I know I'm harping on marriage a lot, but I just feel led in this message specifically that there's some marriage issues to be brought up. When we compare our marriages to others, it's damaging. If I were to look at treat my wife and saying, well, other, uh, you're lucky I even do this. Other husbands don't do that. You're lucky that we go on a date night this many times. Other husbands don't even take their wives on dates at all. It would be so damaging to, that, to our relationship, to our marriage. And, and when we do that, we take out the uniqueness of our, our own marriage and relationship. We do that to anything, to our calling. We take out the, the uniqueness of God's calling for us. You know, for, for, uh, at the beginning of me and my wife's walk in Christ, for us specifically, we felt called to, to, to no longer drink alcohol. We, we both used to just be borderline alcoholics, drank every day, all the time, numbed our emotions. And when we gave our lives to Christ, it was something that God put on our hearts to do, to trust Him with our peace instead of alcohol. And if we were to compare our walk with God to others, we would lose something special and unique about it. Well, other Christians drink all the time. Why can't we just have a glass? You know, our life isn't easy. It, I want to kick back and relax. Well, everyone else does it. It's okay. Other pastors drink. Why can't I? If we were to do that, we would lose a special part of our calling that, that God made unique. And so in the same way with your calling, with your walk with God, with your marriage, with your kids, with your job, with your career path, with whatever it is, you have to allow yourself to, for it to be unique. And don't make excuses by comparing your calling to others when God already put something on your heart. The majority of people settle for what's comfortable. The majority of people settle for what's comfortable because it is much easier than chasing a destiny. It is so much easier to spend our entire jobs, uh, to, to spend our entire lives at jobs that we hate because it's comfortable. We're already here. It, I already know what to do. I already know everyone. I already know what I'm going to get. There's no risk. It's more comfortable to live our life like that. Even if we hate that job, it's more comfortable to, to live going from paycheck to paycheck, literally just living for the weekend because it's comfortable to numb the pain on the weekend. It's, it's, it's this crazy rat race that we do in order to feel comfortable because it, even though it limits us, it, it's still much more comfortable to be in a cage than out in the, to, than out in the wild. That's really what it's about. And if you, if you don't want to be locked in that cage, if you don't want to be like anyone else, then that means you have to live like no one else. And that means you, you, uh, you can't get lost in the crowds of what everyone else is doing. I would even go as far to say don't get lost in the crowds that celebrate nothing but party for everything. Let's be honest. Even when we look at our own lives, whether it's our past or even right now, most of the, the partying that we did or even do right now is just to feel better about the unfulfilled life that we're living. The lack of purpose that we feel deep inside. 
the, this, this lack of something that we have inside of us and we don't know what to do and we feel stuck. And so we just party and drink and do whatever we got to do to try to make ourselves feel better and numb that emptiness inside. If, if, if we continue going on like that, there's just one day where you wake up and you're just super old. <laughs> you're just way older and you realize that your whole life you never took the risks that you really wanted to take. You never lived the life that you really wanted to live because you were just acting like everyone else. I want to emphasize this last part because in order to, to really pursue your purpose, in order to have a great marriage, in, that, in order to, to foster and form a, a great family, in order to have a great relationship with God, it takes you always knowing why you do what you do. It's one of our aspirational values to always know why you do what you do. Me and my wife, we make an emphasis to have a date night. It, it has changed throughout our, our time of having kids. Before, we would have a date night every week before we had kids. And it was like clockwork. Every Friday, we would have a date night. And even if we went to the same old restaurants and it was the same old places, we would try to be creative here and there, but sometimes it was, we're just not that creative and we'd go to the same places. And to someone else, it may look monotonous, but to us, it was a discipline of, of knowing why we kept our marriage strong. It was a discipline that we put in our marriage. And once we had kids, there was a space where we didn't have uh, our, our normal date nights. But eventually, we were able to work up to one date night a month and to where we worked up to one date night every two weeks. So we're now we're back at a date night every week. And the point I'm sharing that is, is we do it because we want a healthy and strong marriage. I want my spouse to be the person I know better than anybody else. And even if I feel like at the moment that I know everything about her, I still want to spend that time with her. Know why you do what you do. When it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our careers, when it goes to our families, our, our, our goals in life, our pursuits, our marriages, we have gone through the motions for long enough. I want to share this verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This is Paul talking. And he's talking about how he... He's literally walking in purpose, with purpose in every step. One of my favorite parts about this verse is where he says, I'm not just shadow boxing. What he's referencing is he's not just boxing the air. He's not fighting the wind. He's not just going through the motions, looking at his shadow or looking at the mirror and trying to just work on his form. He's saying, I walk with purpose in every step. I'm not just going through the motions. And I want you to think about this verse. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. And it is a powerful verse that is just urging us 
to not just go through the motions, but to walk with purpose in every step. When it says, I discipline my body like an athlete, you can put anything in that place. I discipline my marriage. <laughs> I discipline my, my job. I discipline my family, my, uh, my lifestyle. I discipline my walk with God. What it's saying is, I am purposeful in everything that I do. And training it to do what it should. If I want a healthy marriage, then I have to train myself to operate in a healthy marriage. If I want to be a good father, then I have to train myself to be a good father. We've made so many labels for ourselves that discredit and disqualify and, and give us excuses to not be better than what uh, to not be better than the way we're operating right now. I don't know how many men I've heard say, "Well, I'm just an angry person." Well, work on your anger. It, it's that simple. If you want to be a godly person, then start behaving like a godly person. It just takes actions and choices with intention. And if you can establish the intention in your heart, then nothing can stop you on this journey. And I want to take a step back and I want us to just end this message talking about our spiritual walk with God. Are you not so tired of a religious show that is empty of any power, any peace, any good thing with your with your walk with God. I I cannot I just cannot operate in a lifestyle where God is something I just do on the weekend because there's no power, there's no presence when we live like that. Did you know in Revelation it says that if we try to live a lukewarm relationship with God, that he will spew us out of his mouth. What he's saying is that if you try to have one foot in saying, oh, I'm a Christian, uh, but you're really just using God as hell insurance, and you're still just doing everything that you know you ought to not be doing, that God won't tolerate that. That's like a, a, trying to say I'm married, but having a side chick. It, it just doesn't work. And what he's calling us is saying, hey, just really pursue me. If you're authentic and walking in my direction, then you can't go wrong. That's what God is telling us. It is not telling us this legalistic idea to where if we make one mistake or if we if we falter, if we uh, you know uh, behave good or bad, that God loves us any more or less. It's not saying that. That's a legalistic uh, false doctrine. God's love for us is so consistent and so unconditional that whether you're a good boy or girl or a bad boy or girl, his love for you is the same. But when it comes to this idea of walking a relationship with God, it takes authenticity and simply just walking in the right direction. And I encourage you to, if you do that, if you really just go all in with Jesus you will actually enjoy your relationship with God rather than just feeling stuck or bored or depressed or anxious all the time. I'm telling you, there is such goodness in, in the power of God, but we only access the power of God when we really are seeking this authentic lifestyle and relationship with Christ. And so don't hold back anymore. I mean, I know that this is not your Christmas special that, that most churches are doing, but this is, this is a real talk that God is trying to give to the church that enough is enough. We're, we're done going through the motions. Let's start really getting serious with our faith. And 
And I know it may not be what we expected, but so is the presence of God is so much greater than you expected before. I tried everything else before. I, why, would I, why would I not be smoking or drinking or doing drugs like I was before? Those things are pleasurable. It's because I found something so much greater. And so I urge you, take it for real. Take it serious because it is so much better to live like this if you're going to call yourself a Christian. There is no such thing as hell insurance. God will not permit that. He doesn't allow that. He desires a genuine real authentic relationship with you and so just talk to him if you're feeling in your heart right now that that's what god is moving you to do i really urge you to just pray make a decision to where you mark this day as a, a meaningful day that on the 21st of december 2020 that you made a decision to walk in a relationship with god to start walking in a relationship with God. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means you're walking in this direction. No one is perfect. It's just whether or not we are trying to grow closer to Jesus. And so if that's you, the Bible says in the book of Romans, if you just believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, that he's the son of God who died on the cross for our sins, and that he resurrected. If you say that, and what, what it's saying is if you just pray to God, if you talk to him, conversate with him, and have a genuine heart, you can't go wrong. You don't even need me to lead you through it. Just talk to God. Tell him what, what, what it is that you realize right now. Even ask him, what are you trying to speak to me, Jesus? And just talk to him saying, from this point forward, I really want to walk with you. And I want to experience this realness and this presence that, that this guy is talking about. I want to know what it's like to be in that, in a real relationship with you, Jesus. Just pray something like that and you can't go wrong. With that being said, I want you to also think about this message and pray to God saying, God, what is it that you're trying to speak to me today? Maybe for some of you, you've been discouraged and you've been confused, wondering why nothing is working out according to plan, why it's been so hard, why it's been painful. And maybe this message is just God saying, you're doing a good job. Keep going, kiddo. You don't need to give up. I'm with you. Even though it seems like everything is against you, I'm with you. Maybe that's what God is telling you today. With all that being said, I love you guys so much. I hope that this message was edifying for you, that it increased your faith, that it brought you closer to Jesus in some way. And I want to encourage you that we are going to be starting a 21-day fast in January, starting January 3rd on a Sunday, and we're going to fast for 21 days together till Saturday, January uh, January 23rd. And it's 21 days. The Saturday counts as the 21st day. And it, if you've had any curiosity at all about starting this fast, we're going to be putting infographics on our Instagram stories. You can even go right now to our website, click resources, and then click the 21 day fast and there's an infographic right there to help you get started. But I encourage you, what better way to start the year than saying, God, I want to take this year serious when it comes to a relationship with you. At the beginning of this year, I want to put you first, God. So even in this fast, I've maybe I've never even done it before, but I'm just trying. I'm trying to get closer to you. So will you help me and see me through this, God? And dude, I'm telling you, it'll be the best experience of your life this far. So if you're interested, maybe you have questions, 
it, even if you've already decided to do it, will you drop a comment saying I'm in and let us know that you are doing this fast uh, as well and it's gonna be a really powerful time. The other thing I wanted to say is we are also doing our annual New Testament challenge. It's where we, starting January 1st, we, re, we start reading every day for 30 days through the entire New Testament. It's about anywhere between 9 to 11 chapters of the New Testament a day. And by the end of the month, we're all going to have the New Testament completed. And if you've never read through it before, this is the best chance to get it down. We're going to be doing it together. We're all going to be pumped and motivated. And if you've read it before, I'll tell you, read it again. The, the Bible is alive and powerful. All scripture is inspired by God. And it's just like what I was saying earlier about dating my wife still. In the same way, reading scripture continuously is like that date. It's you're always growing in the knowledge of God. There's never a point where it's like, well, I'm as close to God as I could ever be. We should continue to read the scripture all the time. Uh, don't just do, be a one and done person, but read it again. And I'm telling you, there's people that start feeling anxious or timid. Well, they get started and they maybe the first, second, third day, they read all the readings. It takes about like 30 minutes, depending on how fast you read. That's, that's what, about a normal Netflix show? And so many times we make it to the third day or so. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh man, this day is really tough to read. This day was different. It didn't go out according to plan. It's harder today. And we end up missing one day, two days. And people are like, oh, well, I might as well just give up. No, don't give up. Even if you're listening to the Bible on audio at twice the speed, at least you're getting it in. You don't need to discredit yourself just because you're listening to it. I do that all the time. There's days where my kids are just crazy that day and I don't get to just read down and journal. I, it's just not practical all the time. I get it. And there's days where myself as a pastor, I listen to my readings through the audio on the YouVersion Bible app. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible is alive and powerful. And you'd be surprised at how much you're able to take in even when you're just listening to it. So I'm telling you, don't make any excuses of why you can't do it. It will be edifying to you no matter what. With that being said, we're going to be doing it together. Even the New Testament challenge, it's already on our website. All you have to do is go to gravetop.com, click resources, click reading plans on the drop-down menu, and you'll see the, the New Testament challenge there. It's called the New Through 30. We're already starting to sign up. You could join now, and we're starting January 1st. With that being said, I love you guys so much. If you have it on your hearts to give today, you can go to gravetop.com, click the Give tab, and you can give online. Or you can give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. And for those of you who give, uh, that have already given before and you give periodically, we just want to tell you on behalf of Gravetop, thank you so much for trusting us as stewards with your giving and your generosity. It is such a personal act of worship. And when you trust Gravetop to be stewards of that, it is something so special and we value that trust. And if you, if, if you uh, have not given before and you've been thinking about it, we want you to know that we never want you to feel pressured or persuaded to give. 
It's not my job to sell you on giving. That is something so personal between you and God. And when he puts it on your heart to give, we love, uh, we, we are so appreciative and value um, the thought of being stewards of that, that, that act of worship. But with that being said, we love y'all so much. I hope y'all have a great rest of your evening. God bless and Merry Christmas. I'm literally so excited for Christmas to be here. I want to open all my presents, but I'm not, I really had to like pile in all of the Christmas music I can. I'm going to go get three more cartons of eggnog. I'm going to probably gain like 10 pounds just this week from drinking all the saturated fat. But I just got to get my Christmas fix before it's over. <laughs> I love you guys. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Good night. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.